This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Welcome, Rinkrats, to this Blackhawks Hockey Rinkcast, episode 45, brought to you by the Overtime Media Podcast Network. Your sport, your team, on your time. And also brought to you by our founding sponsors at PuckHockey.com. That's P-U-C-K-H-C-K-Y.com. Head over, get yourself some rinkware, or just get yourself some puck hockey gear. Use discount code THERINK. That's T-H-E-R-I-N-K. And that will get you 10% off on your, all of your orders. So, today is Wednesday, February 27th, 2019. I am Jeff Osborne, better known across the interwebs as Gatekeeper. Who could be scared of a Jeffrey? Yeah, Jeffrey's just this nice bloke from down the road, isn't he? <laughs> Y'all need to take a hit at this Jeffrey. It'll calm you down. Uh, <laughs> I am joined by my good friend, co-host, and fellow grumpy old guy, Mr. John Jekyll. Hello, sir. Hiya. 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 Big goof. And together, we are your most trusted sources at your favorite online hangout, the-rink.com. So here we are, post-trade deadline, a couple days after. Um, I don't think there was any need uh, <laughs> Monday to really do an emergency podcast. We had just done the podcast uh you know, the week before or uh, Thursday before with Tyler and Blackhawks just didn't really do anything. So, <clears throat> you know, here we are. But um, so uh, let's get some stuff out of the way right off the bat. Um, we did get a new review. Um, I want to thank people for downloading, uh, you know, our new checking with our new platform. Um, I know there was maybe some wrinkles with the RSS feed and all kinds of uh, technical stuff in the background, but um you know, thanks for coming over and staying with us and uh, downloading the podcast. But we did get a review from MR, MRD1313. It says, in-depth ana- analysis, the last episode was the best. Finally, a little positive without drinking the Kool-Aid. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if he's going to necessarily be happy with this episode, but <laughs> thank you, uh, Mr. D1313 or whatever this is. Um, Actually, there is there is positive. We're going to have some positive tonight. We yeah, absolutely I mean, are. There's always some positive for sure. Um, but <clears throat> for the most part, we get branded as the negative Nancy's of the. Uh, oh, yeah. The yeah. Blogosphere brand, yeah, the, literally. That's the. Yeah, that's our <laughs> brand. Yeah, that is our brand. Being angry, being mad, hating everybody. Uh, Stone Cold Stunner and some jabronis. You know how it goes. Yeah. <laughs> Jabroni smackdowns. A beer belly. So anyway, um, we could probably, I mean, there's, there's not a whole lot we have to go on today. We're just going to, we're going to wrap up that, that trade deadline and a couple of things that happened, developments that happened uh, just recently, actually what's going to happen in a couple, what is it? An hour now, probably about an hour and a half when they play, uh, they're just about getting ready to play, uh, in Anaheim. Uh, it's about seven 30, um, previous to the game or prior to the game and, uh, so we just thought we'd get together and talk about this for a little bit. So I'm going to rattle off some stats. Uh, I'm going to let you know, you know, how the Blackhawks have done. They only played two games, and they they only moved slightly in any of the statistical categories. But I'm going to read them off to you anyway, just so you can uh, have some frame of reference as to what you know where the team's at at this point in time. Uh, they 
for those who are under a rock, the Blackhawks lost both games they played since we recorded last, uh, both to division rivals, which is the one place, if you want to get into a playoff run or continue to stay in a playoff run, the one place where you, or the one uh, set of teams or group of teams you don't want to lose to is in your own division and ones that are uh, higher in the standings. So, <clears throat> and that's what exactly what the Blackhawks did. <laughs> so anyway, uh, yeah. the stats, uh, Blackhawks 26, 28 and nine, uh, 61 points still. Uh, they lost to the two division rivals. Like I said, seventh in the central 25th overall, they dropped uh, six points or six slots from 19th last uh, podcast just last week. And uh, there's, uh, I think there's six points out of the wild card. So that that last quote unquote wild card uh, position. Uh, goal differential is negative uh, 25. Uh, that grew kind of a little bit. Uh, faceoff percentage went down just slightly. Uh, their PK is still last uh, by overall full percentage point. Uh, their the the power play actually went up a little bit. Uh, it's 22.4 percent. Just went up just a hair. Um, <clears throat> they're tied for seventh in goals four, which is great, right? Yeah. Even though some, uh, some people out there were really angry that they didn't go out there and get another forward to get some more goals, but oh, um, we're going to talk about, yeah, that. we will talk about that, but it, that's a little bit of foreshadowing on that, uh, that part of things, uh, again, two ten uh, and goals for, uh, their last in goals against tied for last with Ottawa, uh, at 235, uh, shots, Faced per game, they're second to last, 35.2. Uh, possession numbers, um, they went uh, down a little bit. Uh, in Corsi and Fenwick, they're still in the bottom third of the league for both of those. High danger save percentage went down a little bit. Uh, they're fifth in the league. So their goalies have been, it hasn't been a goalie problem. No. Uh, and the five-on-five five save percentage is 23rd in the league, though. Um, <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, which in nine thirteen, it actually went down. They're not a good five on five team, and that's that's why they're probably not going to make the playoffs. And if they did, they'd get crushed. Right. Yeah. So that's that's where they stand. They're basically really really good at scoring goals, but they suck at playing defense, and that's how it's been all season. So, you know. But anyway, before we do that, let's take our first quick commercial break, and then we'll come back. We'll spend a lot of time with you guys talking about what happened in the. in the past, you know, couple days or five days or what's what what have you, and then we'll come back and we'll often, you know, talk more about the Blackhawks. So here's the break. Okay, and we're back. So the Blackhawks. We wanted to get into this. I know John, you had a lot of things to say about uh, many things. Where do we want to start? Uh, <laughs> um, well, let's let's look at the where the Blackhawks are in the standings today. Um, because this kind of tees up the whole conversation about the trade deadline and the varying points of view. Um, but they are at present, um, tonight, they are six points out of the last wildcard spot, which is occupied by Dallas, which is a team that beat the Hawks the other night or the other afternoon, Sunday afternoon. Um, they are seven points behind Minnesota, the first wild card. Um, what's interesting, and this is this is what we, we predicted would happen, and, and uh, it's kind of inevitable, is when the Hawks got really, really hot and they went like on an eight and eight eight and two or the eight game winning streak and they were like eight and two, um, the other teams around them were all playing really bad. 
Now that's kind of shifting. So the Hawks are six and four in their last 10, which is still okay. But guess who's seven and three in their last 10? The Arizona Coyotes, who are four points ahead of the Hawks uh, with the same amount of games played. Um, so that's that's you. So you see what's happening. Some of these other teams are getting are getting hot again. Hawks are starting to cool off, and there you go. Um, so uh, Colorado's five, two, and three, um, and then uh, all the teams below the Hawks are playing pretty bad. Anaheim, uh, Edmonton, and LA. Um, so that's that's why they are where they are in the standings. Um, and that's that's it. I mean, it's they, you know, as I was telling somebody today, their last four games of the season are against Winnipeg, Nashville, Dallas. I think they have a home and home against Dallas. Um, so basically, if they aren't in the playoffs by the end of March um, and I mean, like kind of comfortably in like at least a couple, three, four points in, they aren't going to make it in. Because they're not, they're probably going to go like two and two at best in those last four games, unless some of those teams are mailing it in at that point, which is a possibility too, if they're, you know, just really in good playoff, playoff shape. But overall, um, it does not look great for the Hawks. I mean, um, they, they need to get hot again real fast, and they need a couple of these teams to get cold again. Yeah. Well, and, of course, you know, that would be just the Blackhawks' luck when they get hot and they have their big streak. So does St. Louis, you know, so yeah. does. And uh, like you were mentioning in the, uh, the schedule before, it's Winnipeg, St. Louis, Dallas, and Nashville to finish off the season. Yeah, right. Those are the last four games. Yep. Um, plus, they've got San Jose in there. Um, yep. Arizona's in there. Colorado's in there twice, a home-and-home with home Colorado. Um and the Kings, but the Kings aren't going to matter. But out of, you know, what, those last nine games? Five, yeah. Uh, yeah. Last it's, eight it's games. A, it's it's going to be a real tough. So that takes me to Stan Bowman's quotes. Um, I'm not sure the exact day, but they were tweeted on deadline day by John Dietz of the Daily Herald, who has become our hero this week with a series of very uh, insightful tweets. Um, but these, I'm going to, so I'm going to read these word for word. They're quotes from Stan Bowman. Um, and I'm going to kind of unpack them as we go through them. And, you know, Jeff and I will cut, will comment on some of these, some of these statements. So the first statement quote, I'm not trying to land UFAs. So in the context of this, I think what Bowman was actually meaning to say was he was not trying to trade for guys who are impending UFAs and are therefore on an expiring contract. He's not in that sort of buyer pose, which made perfect sense. They shouldn't have been. I'm interested in doing hockey trades, but I'm not trying to look for a guy that's only got a couple of months left. So what he was saying there is, again, he's not looking for a guy on an expiring contract, but he was looking to, to do some trades. Now, that's really important because... The di- the dialogue on, on the Twitters has been all about the summer and all the money the Hawks are going to have. But when you sort of hold up the list of available free agents, which is probably not as good today as, as it was with, with Mark Stone off the market. Um, but when you hold up that list, the, the available players, the marquee players, the players worth really investing in or overpaying for, which is what happens in UFA don't really align with the Hawks' moves. Um, speaking of Stone, there were uh, some jabronis out there who were <laughs> insistent that the Hawks needed to step up and trade 
the entire talent pipeline um, in order to give him nine and a half million dollars a year a year and an NMC. Um, and, you know, the guy's a right wing. Um, that's not an acute area of need for the Hawks. Um, just like left wing is not really an acute area of need. And as I read this quote, I'm interested in doing hockey trades, but I'm not trying to look for a guy that's only got a couple of months left. Um, who would that describe, Jeff? <laughs> um, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> a certain a certain Russian forward. Yeah. Um, that Chicago half of Chicago is just completely bat poop over. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mentioned um, it in my piece that I wrote because I kind of did a wrap up as well. And I kind of uh, mentioned the whole stone thing as well. Uh, and right. I said a lot of the things you just said, which is, you know, he's a right wing. You know, who else is a right wing on this team. Patrick Kane. Patrick Kane. Right. And Patrick Kane isn't, isn't, you know, going to be taking a, a lot of shifts off. Let's right. just put it that way. He's going to be on the power play. He's going to be, you know, where he needs to be. Where's Mark Stone going to be? Where's this $9 million guy? Nine and a half. Yeah. Which he would have been more in Chicago, um, probably. He probably would ask for more in Chicago. but Well, he would have because there's no state income tax right. in Nevada. Right, right. Which uh, which I believe the numbers was like $300,000 worth, you know, difference in salary. There's also, also, by the way, absolutely no indication he had any interest in going to Chicago. As hard as... That may be for some people the process. Oh, it's a it's a great destination, you know. <laughs> There's yeah. going to be everybody's moving out of Illinois, but hockey players saying stupid things. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you know. So yeah, um, and by you know, again, I think you can also infer that at least at the deadline, Stan Bowman was not stepping up to trade for Artemi Panarin. Um, and then, you know, he, he closes out that particular quote with, I'm not burning down the phones for those guys. But he he did say that um, he came close on a couple of deals at the deadline. I, I don't think there was any specifics about what those deals were. I know I didn't hear anything. Um, I didn't really see. I, I did hear some scuttlebutt that they were in the bidding for Derek Broussard, which I don't really understand because he was on um, an, ex, an expiring contract as well. So. Um, I know that Eklund reported that and that I wasn't that's what not what I ran with. I had a, a separate source tell me that as a matter of fact, the same source who tipped me on Ryan Hartman last year, um, tell me that, yes, in fact, they had been pursuing Broussard for a while. And um, but again, I, I want to hold that up against the expiring contract situation. Maybe they felt like they, they could easily resign him. Um, you know, one of the things he brings um, that I know the Hawks like to have is a lot of speed. Um, up front and some offensive creativity as well. So I don't know how much there was to that rumor though. Yeah. Um, maybe there was some kind of salary dump or something like that. Who knows yeah, what yeah. they were going to do with that. Maybe yeah. it wasn't so much that they were going to, they were going to take him because they wanted him as much as they wanted to get rid of somebody and they, and Florida wanted to get rid of Assard. I don't know. Well, maybe may, and maybe Artem and Nisimov because <clears throat> you know, I, I, you could, you can argue that after, Jonathan Taze and Dylan Strom, it's still a team that's pretty weak down the middle. So that may have had something to do with it as well. Moving on to the next quote. This is, again, Stan Bowman, our uh, intrepid general manager. Quote, we want to be an elite team, and we're not in that group right now. Okay, let that sink in. Um, The anything can happen crowd, um, you know, those who talk about running through walls for this team this year, um, we want to be an elite team, and we're not in that group right now. 
Um, I want to take this moment to uh, offer up a moment of silent applause for Stan Bowman <laughs> in the lunchroom. Um, and um, just say oh, that, you know, I think it. that's a, uh, you know, that's a, that's a really astute judgment. I think it's honest. Um, I think more fans should hear the GM saying that. Now, you know, um, it may not be the greatest marketing in terms of selling tickets right now, but in terms of, I think, re uh, reestablishing some some uh, relation to the brand in terms of honesty and in terms of believability and credibility, that's huge. We're, we want to be an elite team, and we're not in that group right now. Speaking for myself, and I believe, Jeff, you're in this camp as well, that's what we want to hear. We want to hear an acknowledgement. First of all, we want to hear a desire to be an elite team again. But we also want to hear an, an acknowledgement that we're not there right now. We've got that. Next, we're going to build to that. Love it. That's what we want. So we want to try to make progress for the rest of this year, which is, you know, organic growth of this this roster, um, this pipeline, um, the rest of this year. See See what we have. See, you know. See where we can get with this, you know, and and uh, develop some of these younger guys over the summer. We want to make progress over the summer. So they're going to try to do some things over the summer and the same thing with next year. And, the, and that last part and the same thing with next year. The way I hear that is don't expect miracles next year either. There's going to be a, a, a progression next year as well. Um, I think he is saying that we're going to be further along 12 months from now than we are now and probably maybe a legitimate playoff team is what he's implying. Um, and, and that would, that would make sense if they can, if they can do some things over the summer. And I go back to the, to the um, previous quote about doing hockey trades. Cause as you look at free agency, the, 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 and here's, here's something I think we, we really need to get clear on. And that's why this Mark Stone thing, I think made my head want to explode. Um, and the Panarin stuff too. W- what does this team need? Does this team need a scoring winger? Even though Mark Stone is "quote unquote" a two-way two-way winger, he's also closer in speed to my grandmother than he is to Marion Hosa. Um, but even even though that there's that, this team needs defensemen. It desperately needs defensemen, and um, you know perhaps Bowman would have done some business at the deadline if he'd been able to move Duncan Keith or Brent Seabrook's contracts. Um, or possibly move Eric Gustafson's con- contract at some point, although they're still saying that they want to keep him around. Um, but that's man, what they need on. to do in the summer. <laughs> Pardon me? No. No, go ahead. I was just... Man, come on. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, and that's why when he starts talking about doing hockey trades, because really to get the defense man or defense men that, that he needs to acquire, he's probably going to have to get those guys via trade. Um, this summer. Uh, yeah, now, right. it doesn't mean that the, that the cap space can't come into play because whatever you trade to get those guys, you can backfill in free agency. Um, so if you trade a center or if you trade a, um, a wing, you can backfill that in free agency. And, um, that it's, and that's where it could get interesting. But I, I, I really feel like you're probably, unless you're going to get Eric Carlson, which I, I don't think there's, I think the Hawks probably would be on the outside looking in. Because um, Carlson's probably going to want to go to a team that's more of an immediate contender if he doesn't stay in San Jose. Um, but otherwise, the, the pickings are pretty slim in free agency for for defensemen, so they're probably going to have to trade. So he's saying all the right things. I, I think I think he sees the picture 
and he's he's framing expectations very realistically and honestly. And I, I'm, it's just incredibly refreshing to hear it because I haven't heard a lot of, you know, realism and, and honesty from this team in a long time. Um, and then finally, he says, we've shown signs that things are trending in the right way. Yes, some signs. We still have more to go on that journey. Yes, like basically rebuilding the defense. So I want to say, I'm, you know, we're, I'm being really bullish on Stan Bowman right now because I feel like between the uh, Dylan Strom trade, which moved, um, you know, smoking Nick Schmaltz and his pack of Marlboros out of Chicago, <laughs> and we got a pretty, a pretty serviceable and, and possibly higher upside um, centerman in Dylan Strom, who has really nice chemistry with Alex DeBrinkett. Um uh, the other deal, the, uh, you know, Manning for Kajula deal. Now, I want to sort of talk about that for a second. I, I, I think, Gate, you and I both are, you know, sort of in the camp that uh, Dominic Cahoon and Drake Kajula are useful players. They have a role in the team. Probably if, when this team ho- hoists another Stanley Cup or gets to the Cup Finals, those guys may not be in the top six. But for now, fine. You know, mm-hmm. um, yeah. so there probably could be some backfills at forward that could that could sort of elevate the forward core, the top six. Uh, but it's just not it's not nearly as acute a need as defenses. So I'm going to shut up now. <laughs> well, yeah, you made all great points. And and that was part of the the the, the jabroni club that um, <laughs> was, you know, they're all mad that um Mark Stone didn't get, first of all, that Stan Bowman didn't clean out the closet to get Mark Stone for a couple of months, which I don't know what that was going to accomplish, and then re-sign him to that same $9.5 million million deal that he would have not been able to sign Mark Stone to because Mark Stone probably would have wanted a little more than that. Um, And then, well, you know, I don't see a lot of free agent defensemen this summer. Well, yeah. That's because you probably have to trade for those guys because those yeah. guys don't get on the market very often. And the ones who do, like you said, with, you know, Eric Carlson, he might be looking for a different, uh, you know, a different scenario, a team a little closer to, to winning like the team he's on right now. Yeah. And, you know, that's the other thing. I mean, people, some, you know, people, some of whom I've, you know, conversed with for years, and whose opinions I generally respect, they, they keep talking about, well, they're going to have $18 million this summer. But the truth of the matter is, is that a lot of teams are going to have a lot of money this summer, um, not just the Hawks. I mean, you know, the sort of the, the the downstream strategy of the Columbus Blue Jackets, I'm pretty sure if they, you know, if they don't win the cup, what they're looking at is, yeah, we're going to lose Panarin and, and, and Bobrovsky, but we're going to have a big pile of money this summer to go out and get some guys to compliment Dubois and uh, Atkinson and Anderson and Seth Jones and, and Duchesne and probably and, possibly pardon me and Matt Duchesne po- and potentially. I, I personally suspect that, that because Duchesne's agent um, uh, Pat Brisson um, is the agent of a lot of those players I just mentioned, like Wierenski, like Jones, like Dubois, um, Alex Wenberg, um, you know, he represents a lot of the top Blue Jackets players. I have a feeling that Yarmo made that deal. Yarmo Kekalainen, the Columbus GM, made that deal, feeling pretty confident he would he he would be able to to uh, extend Duchesne. So uh, Duchesne is not Panarin, different type of player. 
um, but a really useful player and, and plays in all situations, including on the penalty kill, which, you know, is not Panarin at all. Um, so I, you know, I, so the point is going, going back to the original point, not to, to digress into the blue jackets, but there's going to be a lot of teams with a lot of money this summer, not just the Hawks. And, um, again, I mean, it's just kind of the, the mindset out there is that, you know, the Hawks show up and, you know, throw a couple of $50 bills around and they can sign anybody. And it, it, it's not like that anymore. This team is on the outside looking in, in terms of being an attractive destination in terms of the competitiveness of the club and the immediate chance to win a cup. They've got to prove that now. they got to get back in the conversation. So, again, Bowman probably will be able to backfill some some slots. And, you know, he could take that money and really build out the, the bottom six. You know, I mean, he could maybe add another goalie. I mean, there's a lot of stuff he could do that people may not get that excited about, but it's sort of infrastructure moves that, that push the team more toward a really strong contending team. I mean – um, I forget, uh, I think it, maybe it was a Mark Lazarus quote I was responding to or, or something somebody said about a Mark Lazarus tweet and talking about how, oh yeah, Lazarus apparently said, told somebody that, that, um, on, on Twitter that the Hawks need more secondary scoring. I, you know, I, I'm not even sure what that means because I mean, yeah, I guess it means, you know, big scorers after DeBrinket, Kane, Taves, Saad. I mean, it's not like they're not getting scoring from more than one guy. They are. Um, but you know, I go back to 2015, which was the last great team we had in Chicago. And I remember a line that consisted of Andrew Desjardins, Marcus Kruger, and Andrew Shaw. That line did not score a lot of goals, but was that an effective line in winning a Stanley cup? It it definitely was. Mm -hmm. And, and so, you know, we can, the Bowman can go out in the summer and bring in some, some of those lunch pail guys. I'm not saying you overpay those guys. I'm not saying you have to pay a, those guys a lot of money. But you don't have to screw around with Chris Kunitz either. You know, you can get some guys who can who can come in and be part of a really effective third and fourth line, which, eh, I mean, Dylan Secure doesn't belong in the third line. Brandon Saad doesn't belong in the third line. No. Maybe, maybe Saad. I mean, he can play both ways. And if you've got the luxury of having a player like him down there, great. I would argue he could, you know, bump Kajula out of the the top six tomorrow, and I don't think we'd really miss Kajula too much in the top six. So the point is, you know, goalie, still a question mark. Yeah, Corey Crawford's returning tonight, but why don't you, Jeff, jump in now to talk about that other tweet from John Dietz? (laughs) Which one? The one where he says Laz is wrong? (laughs) (laughs) No, that's the other, other tweet. (laughs) Oh, the other, other tweet. Ah, I gotcha. Yeah, so... um. Yeah, so this was the other conversation that was going on that night. Uh, on top of things, John, uh, we were making, we were kind of poking fun at the fact that John said Laz is wrong. But in in all honesty, <clears throat> there was a comment that came out which was kind of interesting. Um, and basically, uh, the question was, Stan, going back to last July, was he he. Uh, this is a little off, but he says, was any time you ever approached Brent Seabrook or his agent about waiving his no movement clause? And Stan Bowman answers. I don't want to get into that. I think once we start, then we're going to be asking about the next guy and the next guy. So I don't want to approach those. And where his, uh, his, that was his response to Laz's tweet where Laz said, Stan Bowman said he did not ask any players to waive their no movement clauses at any point. So he was kind of clarifying what happened. 
Yeah. Basically, Bowman said he's not going to answer the question, which doesn't mean yeah. he did or didn't right. ask. But yeah. it seems a little fishy because if you didn't ask somebody, you would have been like, no, I didn't ask anybody. So, you know, guilt by omission. I don't know. I don't know what that you know how that goes, but well, it's also been widely reported <clears throat> that that none of those players were interested in waiving. Now, I, again, I don't know if those if those reports are any more valid, but how do you assess their interest in waiving or not if they haven't been asked? Um, so again, I, I you know no one knows for sure. I have I have heard from. A, a very good source, a team source that a couple of players have been asked over the last couple of years. They've been sort of felt out about it. And in one of those cases, the player basically told them to go F themselves. So, um, you know, that's the thing when you give out a, a, a no movement clause, it <laughs> you're, you're pretty much, you know, at the mercy of the player, unless, you know, you do the Sammy Sosa treatment on them and make them want to leave. But, um, yeah, but actually, the the quote I was asking about was the one about Corey Crawford's statistics. This oh, year. okay. Yeah, well, we, we 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 could wrap this one up, but that I was going to save that one for when we kind of talk about uh, Crawford and, and and stuff. But um, yeah, but anyway, you know, it, it, this could be a a, a lot more uh, 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 complex. I mean, it's not just it might not be just such a simple, uh, you know. <laughs> you're being very on dude i think you got to work in a, a carl hungus quote from the big lebowski personally oh i'm sure i could i'm sure i could but anyway i digress uh is is i'm playing around with the soundboard uh i don't know i mean <laughs> i i i praised Stan for not really doing much because if he wasn't going to be able to unload those those big contracts, those veteran guys like Keith or Seabrook, there wasn't a whole lot. I mean, right. maybe maybe no one wanted Chris Kunitz, even if he wouldn't have. Uh, no one wanted. No, Jeff, yeah. trust me. No one wanted Chris Kunitz. Right. I, I'm, I'm just, yeah, I'm playing devil's advocate kind of here. Um, but maybe didn't. no one wanted Chris Kunitz or no one wanted uh, Artem Anisimov with his no trade clause or whatever, or he, or he was limited well, by the no trade clause. So apparently they owe him a roster bonus sometime in June of $2 million. Yeah. Which if you trade him, that goes with his contract and you know, somebody else acquiring him. I, I, I'm not, I'm not giving you anything for Artem Anisimov. If I got to give him $2 million in June. Yeah. Right. You and know, and his so, no movement clause goes away this summer. So. Correct, but apparently there is a roster bonus that he's owed, and yeah. um, you know after the Hawks pay that roster bonus, then you may have you may see a little interest in action on Artem Anisimov. Yeah, most definitely. Yeah. So, um, but I, I mean, I praise him. I was like, you know, if there's nothing out there, if you, if there's nothing, don't just make a deal to make a deal. And he actually said those words. We're yeah. not just going to make a trade just to make a trade for you guys. Anyway, yeah. and I think he was talking to the media. You met you guys by the media. But um, I'm fine with what he did or didn't do, actually, because yeah, me too. Uh, me too. maybe I mean, you know, it been, I, I, I felt like the, it was the time to sell. But the yeah. problem they had is they didn't have any. It turns out they didn't have anything to sell unless they were interested in moving Gustafson. They said they weren't. That doesn't necessarily mean they weren't that that could be just poker playing. But apparently if somebody did come at him with an offer in Gustafson, it wasn't enough to, to for them to do it. 
Um, I, I suspect that Gustafson may go on the block this summer. Um, if they're looking in, in getting a defenseman who's more of a true defender, um, and I say that with a small amount of sarcasm, um, you know, it, that, that Gustafson may, because they're going to have the same problem this summer. If, these, if, the, if guys weren't interested in waving now, I don't see why they would be interested in the summer. So you're going to have to look at, in terms of doing a hockey trade, perhaps dealing a, um, a Brandon Saad or an Eric Gustafson, or et cetera. Um, then, but also understanding that you may be able to backfill those positions or those roles in Gustafson's case in, in, in unrestricted free agency, that's possible too. But I mean, he's going to have to get creative, but he, but in terms of getting the defenseman he needs, he's going to have to probably trade for those guys or that guy at yeah. least. Yeah. Hey, what about and, Jacob Truva? Yeah. Right. That there's, there's one example, right? Yeah. It's going to be hard to pry him out of the hands of a team in your own division. Right. I and mean, I know they've made trades before with them, but it wasn't right. giving up, you know, a 24-year-old shutdown defenseman. That's Jacob Truba either. You know, the Anaheim Ducks got to do a got to do some rebuilding this summer, and they may be in the same position where they have to make some hockey trades, and maybe they might do want to do a hockey trade with Josh Manson. You know, um, and there's there's other guys like that out there um, that that are potentially could be leveraged away, and who could really fill fill a huge gaping hole on this defense. Um, so, um, yeah, because if, if this team goes into the season next year with essentially the same defense, you're not going to see any change in this team. You're not. Yeah. All right. Well, I mean, that kind of wraps that part up. Um, let's wrap it up. Yep. Um, let's talk about Crawford. Um, like you were mentioning before. So tonight, Corey Crawford, it was uh, confirmed by, all the beat writers, including our boy, uh, you know, Mr. Laz. Has the whole world gone crazy? Uh, that Mr. Crawford's coming back tonight. Uh, he's going to play in Anaheim uh, against a team who has a hard time scoring goals. But uh, I don't know. Uh, they sent Delia down um, to, to Rockford. Uh, right now, uh, head coach Derek King said that they're going to hang on to the three goalies for a week or whatever. Ho- hopefully not too much longer. Cause I think it's silly to have a goalie just sitting up in the press box when you don't need yeah. them. But um, Crawford's back. Uh, Crawford and Ward will probably take him out the rest of the season. Unless one of them gets hurt. Uh, knock on wood. But Mr. Dietz also uh, sent this uh, hero tweet for us so that we could, so that I could screen cap it and post it all over the internet which was Corey Crawford's stats in the 19 appearances before he was injured. 3-13-2 with an 8.93 save percentage and a 3.67 goals against average. Now, for all you layperson out there, people, uh, that those are not good numbers. Uh, sub-900 uh, goals against average uh, would probably qualify as maybe the worst in the league with that many... Uh, that many appearances, uh, three, uh, three and basically three and 15, cause he's three, 13 and two. So three and 15 <laughs> with a sub yeah. 900. He's not the savior They're All of a sudden now the media has been branding that Crawford's going to come back. That's going to be the big trade deadline acquisition, which is uh, oddly similar to what happened last year with the Dylan Sakura is going to be our, our trade deadline. Yeah. 
uh, <laughs> acquisition. We know how that's turned out. I mean, basically, people are ready to to you know pawn him off on some other team, trade him, trade him. And it's not even a year later, but yeah. So you know, this is going to be their their trade deadline acquisition. What a goalie that's worse than Calendelia. Because yeah. Corey Crawford was playing worse than what Calendelia was doing. Yeah. And worse than what Cam Ward is doing. And he's now missed what? A month and a half, two months, almost two full months, maybe? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and in fairness, and I, I don't necessarily buy this, but I, I've, I've sort of picked up from his quotes that he felt like maybe when he came back before he wasn't 100% ready and he feels 100% ready now. Like I've sort of felt that sort of vibe in some of the things he said. Um, but that could be wishful thinking or or kind of rationalization of how poorly he played. I mean, there were a few games where he was very good, but th- that was like those three games he won. <laughs> um, you know, there was he also, you know, he it was pretty rugged at times for him and looked a little bit behind the puck and and uh um, you know, it's it, great. Hey, he's back, but you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to stick by what I, what I said and, and, uh, actually ended up having to block somebody over this on Twitter, um, who said I was always wrong, but, um, I, I, I really feel like the, the, the Crawford ship has sailed, even though you still see it in the Harbor. Um, you know, he's at his age and, and concussions don't heal. You know, um, he's he's a stiff breeze away from being back on the concussion protocol. And um, uh, again, I just I just don't see how there's another lengthy, successful chapter in the Crawford story. Um, I feel like, you know, he could play the rest of this year. It'd be great. And then it, it could be all over the summer in training. He could just start to feel sick again or, you know, next ne- next year's exhibition season. I mean. I just don't see how this has a a really happy and and inspiring ending. But that's you know I don't know what do you think? I, I'm with you. I mean, yeah. Well, you know that's just like uh, your opinion, man. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, he wasn't that good before. He started off okay and he played some really good games, like his first handful of games. But then yeah. he just he went back to being like. He, not back to, I shouldn't say back to, because he was never really below average, but he went he went to below average. And below average Corey Crawford doesn't do anything for this team. No. They they had below, you know, below average goal goaltending with Cam Ward early on. Now he's been much better. And they've had above average goaltending with Colin Delia for a lot of his stint up here. And that didn't help him either. So I don't know what Corey Crawford's going to do other than sell some jerseys for people who love Crawford. And that's nothing nothing against Corey Crawford. I love Corey Crawford, but let's be practical here. You know? I mean, the two major concussions, the all the time off, like, yeah, sure, he may play wonderful tonight against a team who has our time scoring goals. And he may play, you know, the next game pretty well. But he's going to even out again. And, it, it, you know, if you think you're going to make those playoffs, which I, you know... I, we're going to put a cap on this with the playoff talk, but if you think you're going to make the playoffs, you need better than below average goaltending and terrible defense. That's not going to last very long. If you're going to hope, you know, Corey Crawford can hopefully carry this team on his back. Oh man, you're, you're asking for a lot. Yeah. I, I, I mean, cause that's the other thing. I mean, 
he hasn't played for what is it, a couple of months now and he's going to come out and you know i you know the hawks actually the last couple of games they haven't given up that many shots but you know i think that's more of a of an anomaly rather than a trend yeah um you know and uh uh we'll see you know well that's uh, just like with the with the with the hot streak i mean what what are they are they the team that played the you know previous 60 games or whatever or should we say 50 games, the previous 50 games or the most recent 10 games, which team are they? I'm going to go with the previous 50 games and you know, you're just hitting a, a weird, weird section of the schedule where they're not playing teams that are all that good. And um, you know, it comes to, it comes at the same time where your power play finally figured out what they're doing out there, which is a whole nother can of worms altogether. I don't, uh, yeah. uh, we mentioned that last week. I'm like, I, I can't believe in, you know, the nine years that Crenville is here. They couldn't figure this out. And now all of a sudden Jeremy Calton shows up and they figured it out. Right. That's strange. But anyway, I digress. I'm, I'm, get back to the uh, the original point at hand, which is the Corey Crawford thing. We we wish him well. I don't know. I, I just don't think it's going to make a difference. Um, and I don't know what they're going to do with him next year, if they're going to try and hang on to him. Uh, he's got $6 million due on his contract next year. Uh, I can't see anyone trading for him. So, I, I mean... If they're gonna if if they're gonna pull the these shenanigans where they're gonna keep throwing them in there and they they're not gonna be cautious or anything like that and they're gonna just play them all next season let them train this summer and play all next season well then you get that's an extra six million dollars you got sitting right. there with Calendelia as your backup making the one million dollars that's seven million dollars well, you got tied problem, up goalies you know yeah they owe him six million dollars if he's if he shows up and wants to play they owe him the money mm-hmm. you know. Um, and I, they'll probably go into next season the way they did this season, which is, well, let's see if he can play, A, and B, see if he can play long enough and well enough that, that you know, perhaps we could move him at the deadline. Um, I wouldn't hold my breath for that. Um, you're going to have to convince – he's going to have to stay 100% healthy. I mean, if he misses two games for a concussion, nobody's going to touch him, you know? Oh, um, sure. Like, right now, I, I, I almost think he, he's almost no. untradeable because – right. I'm saying, like, if he were to play the whole season next year, like, up to the trade deadline Mm -hmm. and play, you know, which he hasn't done 75% of the games and, and, you know, play, have a GAA under 2.5 and a save percentage around 920. I mean, um, some some team at the deadline really needs a goalie for for a playoff push on an expiring contract. They probably would give you something for him, you know? Yeah, but he hasn't stayed healthy in, like, the past four seasons. No, I know. I know. For one reason or another, that's why I don't think it'll happen. Yeah. You know? That's sort of a hypothetical. And so, again, it's great, but it's just I, I think it puts the team in a weird position. And, you know, yeah, there were some quotes by Carlton, you know, floating around the last couple of days, how, you know, the team feeds off Crow's peaceful, placid, calm confidence. But like, you know, a few weeks ago he was talking about how, yeah, it's, it's great that he's feeling better, but like we're kind of moving on here and, and you know, trying to, to do some things and. Um, I just got to think it puts Colleton and really the whole team. I mean, uh, you know, sending Delia down. I mean, yeah, Delia has not been playing well lately. So, okay. You know, but I, it remains to be seen if, if Crawford will be any better than Delia was even when he was kind of struggling here. We'll see. Even if he's as good as Delia was, which is, you know, it, it, it's possible that wasn't doing him any good with Delia. So why is Crawford going to be any different? Well, and it doesn't just there's not just magic just because Corey Crawford shows up on the ice makes it different than if Colin Dewey was doing the same thing or so Cam Ward. If you had to bet, I'll give you four choices. One's Corey Crawford. Oh, I hate betting. 
Go ahead. Come on. <laughs> one's Corey Crawford. The other one is Cam Ward. Another one is, is um, Colin Delia. And then another one is is goalie X that that is not you know on the team right now. When if the Hawks were to be in the Stanley Cup Finals in two to three years, which of those goalies, Delia Crawford Ward or goalie X is in that? Well, based on the based on what's going on right now, I would say Colin Delia, and then my second choice would be goalie X. Yeah, see, I'm I'm, I'm calling it a toss up between Delia and X. Yeah, that's it's not going to yeah. be Corey Crawford. I mean, yeah, if- no, I mean that's the thing. There's like, are you? There's like literally. I mean, see, and part of the problem with this whole this whole Crawford madness and Crow's back and all that. Number one, it's very unlikely he's throwing the team on his back right now and taking him into the playoffs. Number one, and, and number two, I mean, they're not going to win the cup next year either. And, you know, the, I have just have a hard time seeing Crawford being around two years from now, especially well, after after his, his contract expires. I, I don't think he's going to be around. Well, you know what? That's the one thing that that really frightens me is that, yeah, his, he, they only, he's only they're on the hook for him for one more year. Yeah. But let's say he stays relatively healthy over the next 18 months or whatever. And his contract's up. Does Stan Bowman go out there and say, hey, we'll give you $2 million to come in here and uh, be the backup behind Colin Delia? Uh, no, because I don't think – I don't – I suspect that Crawford's personality would not adjust well to that. Maybe not. Maybe not. I don't know. But that 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 frightens me because how they're so afraid of letting these household names like Patrick Sharp go. And even when they have a chance to bring them back, they bring them back. You know, you and know it's what? like, I, I oh my God, like... they let, they didn't sign Corey Crawford. I mean, you know, no, look, I, I look at you. the uproar. But you know what? I feel like, you know, there was a, there was a, a rumor out there that, that I heard early in the year that Bowman basically put some guys on the, on the block at the beginning of the year. And I suspect Nick Schmaltz was one of those guys. And what he basically said was to, to, to these teams, he said, look, make us offers on these guys because we got to fix some stuff. We've made some mistakes. That's what I, that's what I was told. Th- which which kind of tells me if that's true. And then some of his recent these quotes that we read tonight, it, it seems like like Bowman is almost saying, "Look, we got to start doing things a little differently here." Um, so perhaps when they do some free agency this summer, maybe they they won't give out you know hardcore six year no movement clauses. You know you know um, rock solid. No movement, um, you know, although it's a hard thing to do in UFA. Guys always want that, um, uh, you know, and maybe, um, gosh, what, what we were talking about. Oh, Crawford and Marine. Maybe they've learned their lesson now about the X-Hawks, you know, or the Chris Kunitz sentimentality signings. You know, I'm just I, I feel like I feel like like Bowman is starting to kind of change the paradigm a little bit now. And he's sort of running counter to what this agency has done over the last three, or excuse me, this team has done over the last three years, which has been mostly stupid. Um, and it just, there, there seems to be some rationale and intellect to what they're doing now. Um, you know, really going back to the Strom Schmaltz trade, uh, followed by the Manning Kajula trade. I think the Manning move was one that Bowman probably was talking about when he said, there's some things we got to fix. We've made some mistakes and he did. And he fixed it pretty well, you know, so 
Um, we'll see. I don't know. I mean, next year we could be talking about, you know, the X Hawks coming back and all the madness with that, or, you know, some player being rushed up from, from junior when he's not ready to play. That seems to be the yearly discussion as well. You know, um, I mean, I, I, I have to say, I mean, I remember we got some guy wrote in a question and, and asked how it felt to be wrong about Yoki Haru. And I want to ask that guy, where's Yoki Haru now? We were you know, we did admit, yeah, we were we, we were hard on Alex to bring it, sure, yeah, but and he, you know what, and and to his credit, he he stepped up, not unlike Brandon Saad in 2012, and mm-hmm. but he had you know a rocky 2025 games like Saad did, but to, to, to bring its credit because he's a competitive little bugger, um, uh, and he's got some talent. I mean, he 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 stepped up and he's become a really nice player, um, you know, um. So yeah, we'll we will admit that we were a little hard on on Alex, on on the cat. Um, but uh, you know, yeah, that's fine. We'll admit it. Man, but you, you know what? We're right sometimes too. And you know, the th- yeah, Yoki Haru. I mean, there was all this. Hey, you were wrong, man. He's he's 19 years old, man. He's in the NHL. He's awesome. He's great. And you know what? Evidence suggests that there's still some stuff he has to work on. And that's why he's been sent back to the minors twice. Figure it out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, you're you're a little more optimistic about Stan Bowman finally seeing the light of all his wrongs. I just I don't know. <laughs> I think there's there's something in the way that he's talking, and he's had a couple of he made a couple of good moves. I mean, did you did you see that coming? With I mean, I guess you could start to see it coming when when Ed, Ed Olchik was getting down on Schmaltz the way he was. It was like just a nightly beatdown verbally. But I mean, still, I mean, the the meatballs like a month earlier, we're talking about paying him 6 million for six years, 6 million a year for six years. Yeah. You know? And mm-hmm. so I, I didn't, I, I honestly was a little shocked that he went out and did that deal. Um, and he got Perlini too. And you know what? There's people, people will tell you, hockey people will tell you that, that Perlini could end up being a really nice piece in this deal. He just kind of hasn't found his groove in Chicago yet. He's a big kid who can skate and, and he's tough to play against. Yeah. You he's know? like, he's like, just, yeah. He he's a strange case for me. I want yeah, to believe just, that we got to see it. It. a year from now. We may be having the same discussion. I mean, I mean he, he may turn be, into Anthony so, Duclair. Yeah, exactly. Just gonna say that he could be Anthony Duclair three You know, I mean, and uh, you know, gosh, Duclair Duclair got traded the other day, didn't? Yeah, he? he's on Ottawa now. So it's like his fifth team in four years. Yeah, now. remember at the who, beginning of the year, who else got traded? Remember? Who else got traded? Another uh, well-traveled young player. Yeah, the new new Philadelphia Flyer, Mister Ryan Hartman. And I remember when I when I saw that and I saw the terms of the deal and what the teams exchanged. I thought to myself, "Man, Philly got jobbed." I mean, I, I, well, Simmons is one of my favorite players, and and Hartman is not one of my favorite players. Well, the black the Blackhawks kind of jobbed uh, Nashville last year on that. Yeah, well, they, they well, got rid of you know yeah. Ryan Hartman. I mean, even though Edsel hasn't really been uh, much of anything, they got Bodan because of him. Well, it remains to be seen what, what Bodan will be. You know, yeah, it remains to be seen. So that may end up playing, you know being a good deal for the Hawks. It may not because Edsel, they, I don't know. Yeah, but the, both of, both of those players are cheaper than uh, Ryan Hartman right now. Right, right, and you know, <laughs> I, I think with Hartman there comes sort of a disruption factor. Um, yeah. you know, that, uh, that sort of getting rid of it is sort of like a you mean disruption from his family. <laughs> well, yeah, that's the joy of the Jeffrey. You see, it goes away, but then it comes back. 
<laughs> no, go ahead. <laughs> Ryan Hartman. No, I just, you know, again, I just, I feel like, you know, when, when a, when a guy, you know, sort of is wearing, you know, who's ostensibly a good player for a, a former first round pick and he's wearing a, you know, a new sweater every year, it should tell you something. I mean, Duclair, I mean, I remember, you know, when, when he came to Columbus, he was, he was just, everybody was so excited. He was so electrifying. He was having good games. And I kept, I kept saying to myself, yeah, but you know, Anthony Duclair has a very short shelf life everywhere he goes. And sure enough, Columbus moved him. Yeah. I mean, he went from the Rangers to Arizona, Arizona, the Blackhawks, Blackhawks to Columbus, now Columbus to Ottawa. Yeah. I I mean, mean, six teams, uh, six teams can't all be wrong. Right. 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 And uh, so, yeah. Um, and, you know, Bowman didn't want any piece, any of that stuff. I mean, Wayne Simmons might might not have been a bad pickup. But again, I'm not sure what they would have had to send the other way. And, um, you know, well, I so. read today that uh, Wayne Simmons, you know, there was talk of him going uh, resigning with Philly back in the summer. Yeah. So, well, I mean, I, he if, may want to just go back to Philly. What are you going to do? Rent him for a cup for what? Well, you know what? And uh, quite honestly, if Bowman wanted to go after a guy in free agency, uh, sort of a, you know, maybe a better, certainly a, probably a better value buy than a, than a Panarin. There's, there's a, there's a good guy to go after. Sure. He would be, be great on this team. Oh yeah. I'd love Wayne Simmons. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you, you, you need some of that toughness too. I know we're obsessed with uh, Dustin Bufflin. I saw somewhere. Oh, I love Dustin Bufflin. <laughs> yeah, I love Dustin Bufflin too, but I'm not, a, I, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't say we're obsessed with him at all. Boy, did somebody say we were? Yeah, I saw it. Uh, yeah, I saw some kind of review or something somewhere on some uh, third-party website or something that said, uh, you know, uh, this, no, it said we had good analysis, but it says that we're we're obsessed with Dustin Bufflin, which I, I think probably I, I probably have brought that that down on us. And I a little a little backstory. Um, a good friend of mine who I used to play uh, beer league with. He was uh, an agent, um, a player agent, back in the early 2000s before the NHLPA changed the um, the agent requirements, and he got he had to get out of the game. But at that time, he represented uh, Craig Anderson, James Wojcicki, and Dustin Bufflin. And through him, I sort of indirectly got to know Dustin and, and a little bit about him. And I've ever since then, I've just been a huge fan of his. And my son got a, uh, a package of signed gear from Dustin that year. Uh, actually, it was the year the Hawks won the Cup, the 2010. And he literally wore he literally wore a Dustin Bufflin jersey for like 40 days straight, my son. And he still wears 33 in hockey. So, yeah, there's a little bit of a, you know, meatball, you know, love affair that I have with, with Dustin Bufflin. But, um, you know, and quite honestly, I mean, he'd be a, a great guy to have in your team because of all the stuff he can do and how he can Im- impact the game physically. He's getting up there in years now, too. And yeah, um, actually, in some ways, you know, like <laughs> Eric Gustafson is sort of the non-physical Dustin Bufflin, although I, I believe Dustin is better defensively than Eric Gustafson, too. But, you know, just sort of that rover who's a real weapon offensively from the back end. So anyway, that's yeah. funny. Yeah, <laughs> that. I found that funny. It was, I yeah. found it humorous. Yeah. You could, you could poke fun at me all you want. Uh, and, and the governor, the, the good governor usually does. Yes. And then Billy fat pants. <laughs> yes. My, my boy, Billy. Uh, yeah. So anyway, the, the last point uh, on this uh, is the playoffs. Um, I mean, if you ask me, they're all, they're all but dead. I mean, they'll, 
they're gonna they were always gonna come back down to earth and yeah. they weren't gonna maintain that you know win an eight or nine out of every ten games or whatever they were doing. It was just a matter of time before they were gonna fall out. And now with these other teams being hot, like really they needed everyone else to lose and they needed to win to be able to get you know get comfortable into a playoff spot. While they were winning, everyone else started winning too. Yeah, I so, mean the three teams now that I think are going to kind of make this hard is Minnesota, who's in. Um, they're starting to play a lot better. Um, and um, they were playing bad for a while. I mean, they just they they were just plummeting. And well, they made some stupid trades, too. Yeah, but they've made a couple. They, they've won a couple of big games, and uh, they seem to have it back. And Arizona, 7-3 in their last 10. You know? Um, yeah, so, uh, another – West Dundee native Vin- Vince Anastrosi yesterday with, I think uh, it was a uh, shootout winning goal. I think. Is he from West Dundee? He's out in that area. He's one of those, one of those, one of, one of my boys. Yeah. Cause he's Did not with, know that. He, him and Hartman. Him yeah. And Hartman, Hartman is. Yeah. I knew Hartman. Was yeah. They were, they were, they were uh, both uh, in that uh, area. Yeah. So it's basically West East Dundee, whatever. Yeah. West East Dundee, Carpersville up there. <laughs> King <laughs> County. 220, 221, um, whatever it takes. <laughs> whatever it takes. Um, so what the fuck is wrong with them? Figure it out. That's what I say. I said, figure it out. Figure it out. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Arizona, you know, John Shake has finally, I think, started to get a little traction with that team. Um, and so, I mean, it's just, it. I think the Hawks, you know, they, they emptied their, they emptied the chambers and they, they looks like they're just going to come up short because the schedule the rest of the way is not great. You Like you mentioned earlier, home and home against Colorado. And I think they've got home and home against Dallas, too. Um, both of both of which teams looked better than the Hawks in games the Hawks had to win, you know, this last weekend. So um, Nashville games, Winnipeg games, St. Louis games. I mean, St. Louis looks incredible right now. They look really good. So it doesn't yeah, they, look got, good. they got Arizona twice. Uh, they have the Sharks. They have the Colorado Colorado on the back to back, and then that last week. They have they don't have a back to back with Dallas, but they do play Dallas twice. Yeah, uh, yeah. they play them once at the beginning of March and once uh, yeah. right in the beginning of uh, April. And you got the three point games, <laughs> and you're playing a lot of the teams that you know you're you're in competition with, which just makes making movements up in the standings really hard to do. Um, you know, but it, here's here's the bright side of this. Um, and what we've been saying this, and I'll, I'll just repeat it again. I mean, so now they're going to they're go into the draft lottery, and maybe they get a little lucky and they get in the, into the top the top five to ten. You know, yeah. and at that if picking there, they could probably they might be able to get a really nice piece for the future, like they got last year. And you know, I was thinking about this as well. Let's say they get into that top five, and they pick, say, a wing. You know, a nice right. scoring wing, whatever, yep. some something that could to, that could develop into a you know potential Panarin uh, Stone type player that you now have much cheaper on an entry level contract. Now they right. may not play with the Blackhawks the first year, right? And it's very likely. You know, not all players that get picked in the top five, you know, play in the NHL right away. Some take a year or two. Yeah, I don't think I don't I doubt Jack Hughes will play right away, but you know, Kako could probably, you know, be there in a year. Yeah, he's a big you know? wing. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, big big finish wing. Uh so you 
if they were to get that young player, they they're they're setting themselves up for the future. Plus, yeah. they have a, a you know cost controlled, maybe top six, a, you know additional top six winger. You might you of course you don't need a left wing, but you know, maybe a right wing. Yeah, you could throw them in there, but they're not going to eat you know Patrick Tain's, uh power play time up. No, you know. Right. Uh, you just slot them right in behind, you know, Patrick Kane, the you know one of the best wings in the game. Like that's not a bad thing, right there, you know. And then no. you use that money, use it wisely to pick up a defenseman. Now that that may mean through trade. That doesn't mean necessarily you're using that money specifically going out into the free agent market. You may need to use that money to acquire a, a player that has a big contract. Yeah. So there's some misconception in that as well, that, well, they're going to use this money this summer to fix the defense. Yes, they're going to have to. But Somehow. it doesn't you know, but mean... Again, it, may, it may be through trades yeah. and backfilling and free agency. Yeah, um, right. We're just going to have to see. I mean, I don't know. There's a lot of players out there, you know, and uh, we've, we've thrown some names around, but, you know, Bowman can probably go out and find some other people too. But, I mean... They just got to get some guys who can who can stop some pucks from going in your net. Yeah, for sure. And I, I think they have a, a, a solid start with Calendelia for the you know goalie, maybe possible goalie of the future, maybe, um, uh, maybe maybe not. But still, uh, you at least have someone in the pipeline that, that's potentially you know well, he's played well. I think Delia's shown he's an NHL goalie. Yeah. The, the question is, is he a one A or is he a one B? You know, mm-hmm. or is he a guy that? Has a ton. I, I think you know, and I mean, I think Colton said he's like he's like the most athletic goalie he's ever seen, and and uh, um, I think he's a guy that you know maybe over uh, you know maybe playing 30, 30, 35 games a year, um, he could start to really de- you know refine his game, working with with weight, and uh, you know cut down on some of those rebounds, and uh, you know just you know sort of get get mentally in a really good place and then he's the guy you know because he's got the he's got the physical ability yeah well it and from what i was told uh he came into camp as one of the top fitness uh test uh you know finishers on the list mm-hmm. so he was he was one of the fittest players you know on the team which is good you know that means he's young he's in shape you know he's got a good attitude so it's it's a lot of good things coming down the pipeline for that but kind of rolling it back just a little bit further the the defense needs to be you know switched up that's where you need to spend the money wisely and this is where i'm hopeful kind of like you were hopeful a little earlier is like you got to start using that money in you know productively where you need to fill these holes enough of the nonsense of going out and you know flashy things to, to to distract the fans little shiny pennies yeah you know let's let's get a wing well what is shiny that do? Rubles. they're already in the top 10 of scoring in the league what do they need goals for i mean right you're not going to win nine eight games in the playoffs I, those I, games I, don't I happen just, it, 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 i mean it's like i mean i can't even i can't even see how we're have, still having this conversation yeah. with people still it doesn't make they, any you sense know, it's panarin derangement and then, then it was mark stone derangement it's like Come on, guys. That's that's you gotta just not fall for this stuff. Well, that that was the other thing that I saw too was the oh, will you tell me the Blackhawks don't need Mark Stone? No, it's not that they don't need a Mark Stone type player because probably ninety percent of the NHL could use a Mark Stone type player, including right. the Blackhawks. But for nine point five million dollars, you don't need that. Right. Like you don't need that. You don't need to waste the money on that. 
Sure, it would be nice if you had him in your system and he was on your team. Certainly, he would be a you know he would be that maybe the Marion Hosa type player or whatever. But to go out and spend nine point five million dollars on this guy, you got two wings that make you two players, not counting Jonathan Taze, that are making twenty million dollars. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've and then Jonathan Taze, you're thirty million dollars in three players that yeah, are all forwards. Stone, Marion Hosa kind of, uh, comparisons. I don't know. That's that's a stretch to me. I mean, <clears throat> Stone's a Stone's a nice player, but I mean, Hosa was, uh, you know, he was uh, one of a kind as far as a two way forward. Um, and you know, and, and certainly, you know, in his heyday when the Hawks first got him, the first few years the Hawks, he was with the Hawks. I mean, that guy could do it in all three zones. I mean, and then the speed he had, and and uh, what a you know tremendous natural athlete he was. So I I don't. I think it's a stretch to compare Mark Stone with him. Mark Stone's a good player, and he's a, he's a difference maker in a lot of ways. But I don't know. It, yeah, Marion Host is a Hall of Famer, and yeah, exactly for sure. Exactly. Yeah, I just mean that type of player. Right? No, but, no, no, no. I hear you. I hear yeah, you. but I mean, you got to also think too. That you, of course, you're going to have devil's advocates again, who are going to say, "Well, you know, they brought in Marion Hosa, and they already had Patrick Kane, so that worked out." Then that was a different setup then. It was a different setup, and quite they honestly, were more even Marian players. Marion Hosa and Patrick Kane will tell you that. Marion Hosa yeah. helped make Patrick Kane Patrick Kane. Yeah, you know exactly. I mean, yeah, and and so it's a it's a different deal. And if you're going to spend nine and a half million dollars on a guy, you, he can't be on your second power play unit. Right, and he would have been on a second power play unit. Yeah, for the or be your second wing or second right. you know player at that position, which is what right. he would be. Right. It's just. It's yeah, we love. There's a lot of guys we'd love to have in the team, but the truth of the matter is, is that a a, sure. a, a that nine or ten million dollar winger is not really what this team needs. Yeah, it's like saying you know you you tell me the team doesn't need Hendrick Lundqvist or Carey Price or whatever. Sure, yeah, it'd be nice, but not for the prices that you'd have to pay for them. Like that doesn't. It's just not realistic. Like yeah, right. of course, Sidney Crosby. Sure, yeah. The Blackhawks could use Sidney Crosby, but that's not realistic. Like you're right. not going to have Sidney Crosby and Jonathan Taves. Like it's just not in Dylan Strome and like. Right. It, it just doesn't. It, it just doesn't make sense. I mean, right. I know the I know the, the the Penguins do it with Malkin and and Crosby, but it's still it, it wouldn't be like that here in Chicago. But anyway, all right. So I think we hit all our points on that part, right? We want to do yep. some questions. Okay, let's throw it to a quick break. We'll come right back, and we'll wrap up with questions. We've got to air hopefully a little early and uh, watch the Blackhawks game. So here we go. Right All right, and we're back. Uh, let's finish up with some questions. We only got a couple, so we'll wrap up a little bit of entertainment here. Uh, <laughs> uh, <clears throat> so my boy Burns Churches from South Africa. Yeah, he's from Johannesburg, I think. So our international chapter, uh, back from the day, he said, uh, name and shame anyone who wanted the Hawks to sign Mark Stone like that idiot Laz effing Muppet. There's going to be Neanderthals, slack-jawed yokels saying stupid things. Man, this guy's freaking delusional. <laughs> I just wanted to read it because I like Burns. Um, of course, that was a joke. but uh, And we had talked about the, the Stone thing. Uh, Andy Campbell... 
brought something up. It, 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 I saw some discussion going back and forth. I didn't follow the entire, um, the entire length of you know the conversation. But he says I'm perturbed with the praising stands uh, of Stan's recent moves or lack thereof. Strom great, but correcting mistakes while the team is in significant limbo uh, is mediocre at best. Poor forecasting and immovable assets due to NMCs. No credit to Stan. Well, uh, I agree with the first the first part of that where, yeah, sure, he made these problems that he had to fix. So they're kind of bittersweet in uh, in these deals because these are all bad deals he made that he had to go back and fix. I mean, Schmaltz necessarily isn't a bad deal, but the players, the players attitude seemed questionable. He wasn't, uh, uh, you know, for whatever reason, they felt they had to move him. Uh, it's worked out in the end. Uh, but the Brandon Manning thing, the Drake Cajule thing has worked out. But he was fixing a problem that he created. You know, and I don't know this to be the case, but I kind of wonder, like, were, were Chris Kunitz and Brandon Brandon Manning signed basically because the team, you know, because the, the, the Hawks have always loved to, to do something kind of splashy in the summer and, you know, were they sitting there looking at what they had accomplished in the summer and, and you know, seeing the spotlight going to the Bears and, and um, you know, to the to the baseball teams and saying, we got to do something. We got to sign somebody. I could see them doing that. And I could like, well, let's get Kunitz. He's won four Stanley Cups. There's that narrative. And let's let's get Manning because maybe he can block some shots and, and we need a little bit of that. I It just it's it almost seemed like just sort of a knee jerk band aid move you know just to say we did something and you know they've they've gone out and they've they've actually transformed that manning mistake into a nice you know sort of uh gritty speedy guy who could do a lot of stuff for you he's like you know he's sort of like a a a more skilled version of adam burrish you know kajula he's that he's that kind of player though he's like you know just he's an agitator and he's he's fearless and he's got a little skill you know and and uh um, so, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I hear you, Andy. And I, the thing is, is with this front office, here's the other thing. And I've said this for years, you can't just look at it and go, Stan Bowman did this, Stan Bowman did that, because I don't think Bowman's done much without sort of engaging the whole management op- ap- apparatus of the Hawks front office. I think he, it's, it's, everything's done by committee and, um, you know, so maybe it's also therefore, you know, not right for me to say, you know, Bowman's making some good moves because maybe it's the whole apparatus that's making these moves. I don't know. I feel like I feel like Bowman's actually kind of gotten his feet back underneath him a little bit, though, this year. It's, you know, with especially with some of these recent quotes and how he handled this deadline. Um, and I don't know. I don't know who was responsible. You know, given Duncan Keith. A no movement clause at the time they signed him to this deal, especially, you know, with the fact that it's it's a very still a very team friendly deal. I don't know that I don't know that that one bothers me. The two contracts that that drive me insane um, are Seabrooks and Anisimov's, and in part because both were signed a full year before each player's deal was up. The terms are too long. There's no movement clauses, and you could argue that both were 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 slightly to very un, overpaid. Um, those deals to me, which were, I believe kind of both signed around the same time too. 
those deals to me are the ones that you just go, I don't, I don't know who's responsible for that, but whoever is responsible for it um, really, you know, should be, um, you know, in a lot of trouble for it. And maybe it was Bowman. Maybe it was above him in the front office. We don't know, you know, um, but he's got, those are the things he's got to fix. He, he's got to get, he's got to get rid of Anisimov because I don't think he's going to get any better. Um, Seabrook's not getting any better. He's just getting older. Um, and his, his numbers are not good. Um, and, and I know, you know, he's, he's a long-term hawk hawk. He was, you know, part of three Stanley cup teams. He's been a warrior for this team. You don't want to, you know, force the guy out of town because it's just the wrong way to handle it, but they got to find a way to address this. And maybe like we've talked about, maybe, you know, at the next CBA, it's, it's, it's a compliance buyout, you know, maybe, maybe there's some way they work something out where they can move him and retain some salary. I don't know. They got, they, but they got to do something because they, they're, they're somewhat hamstrung. I think because you can, you can, we can backfill a lot of good young players and make some good draft picks. But you know, you got this guy, you got these guys on your, on your back end, who you're paying a lot of money to, who are not going to get any better. They're probably going to get worse. Yeah, I mean, I see the reason why Anisimov, you know, really needs to go. He doesn't necessarily. I wouldn't say he quote unquote bugs me. He's okay. He's an okay player. He's just, he's there for me. The contracts. Yeah. I don't hate it at all. Yeah. He's probably, you know, a million dollars overpaid. Um, but I mean, it's a million dollars. The Brent Seabrook one. Yeah. I can't, I can't find any light of day in that. And I, and I love Brent. I keep saying it. I know you probably, you know, Hey, drink. Uh, I love Seabrook. He's my favorite player drink. <laughs> uh, but uh, you can't defend that contract. It makes no sense. Seven years, uh, like they they still got like what five left? I think it's five left. Yeah, yeah, it's it's yeah. Which is it's crazy. Imagine Brent Seabrook still being on the Blackhawks in five years or four years. Can you can anyone imagine that in any realistic scenario? I cannot. I can't imagine how that could happen. They're they're going to have to do something. Which is they created a hole that they're not going to you know not created a hole really, but. They've created something that they're going to have to now fix. Why do you do that? That's the maddening part of the Stan Bowman regime, which may, like you said, may or may not have to do with, you know, people meddling in the back office or front office uh, with, with, with contracts and decisions or, or PR staffs. Like we talked about the PR, PR moves last week uh, or hockey. What is it? Not hockey operations, but uh, the marketing group. Making, you know, them making uh, moves because of that or whatever. And you were saying how they should, you know, I'll be fired if if that's how they're making their decisions. Yeah, I mean, that's 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 but I got to be honest with you. I mean, I, that's why I'm so encouraged by uh, what Bowman said, because the Bowman's quotes to John Dietz, to me, run contrary to, to how the marketing department would push things if if left to their own devices. Yeah. And I'm hoping I'm hopeful with you, man, because. While we do get branded as the, you know, the guys who are always negative, we want to see this team win and we want to see them win long term. Like we, I want to see the Blackhawks back to what they were between 2010 and 2015. Yeah, I think I think the thing that we're we're asking people to do is realize that there's a ways to go and that there's some sacrifices that are going to have to be made to get there. It's not going to be overnight and it's not going to be, you know, riding a wave of Ian Mitchell glory this fall. Yeah, you know, and, and we don't want them to turn it, that easy. We don't want them to turn into you know 
what the bears the the bears that went to the super bowl like they were that one year thing and then they just disappeared again right and you know until this year they were they were garbage I don't want the Blackhawks to have that one year where they make the play out and maybe make the conference final or whatever, or kind of like what Ottawa did, where they had that improbable run to the conference final, and then they go right back to being the worst team in the league again. I don't want the Blackhawks to do that. You don't want the Blackhawks to do that. We want them to build a, a smart organization from the bottom up, and it looks like they may have a start with the defense, which is, you know, it's hard to find good defensemen. And they were able to draft a bunch of them. Some of them may, may, may potentially be really good in the future. Uh, that's a good start, but yep. you got to continue to build. You got to continue to get high draft picks. Like maybe finding, you know, a, another Alex to bring it somewhere. Uh, you know, well, you know, the thing, the thing is, is, you know, the Hawks rise to glory, you know, was fueled by adding elite players to the draft. And I, I still think that ultimately that's the way you have to do it. And so the, it appears the Hawks may have gotten one last year and maybe, you know, by, you know, sheer grace, they missed the playoffs this year and maybe, and maybe they, they lock out a little in the draft lottery and they, they get in position to grab another potentially elite player. You need like three or four of those guys minimum that you acquire through the draft, which the Hawks did. Yeah. Duncan Keith, uh, Jonathan Taves, Patrick Kane. Um, I'm about forgetting somebody, but there were, there were some awfully good players that they, that they acquired through the draft. And then, then they supplemented in free agency. Yeah. Brandon Saad. Yeah. Corey Crawford, yeah, you know, him too. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, so I, I those, that's going to take some time though. I mean, they've, yeah. they've kind of, uh, they kind of lucked out with the Brinkett. Um, he's he's pro- he's really played more like a first round pick, um, definitely more like a first round pick. And uh, so they have Bulkvist, um, who really looks like he can be great if he can if he can stay healthy and and not you know get his head knocked out of his brain uh, or his brain knocked out of his head. Excuse me. Um, and uh, you know maybe they get another special player this year. You know and and. Then you're starting to get that that conversation. And again, we'll see what Bowman can do with all that money he has this summer. You yeah, know? yeah. That's what I. Uh, that's how I ended my piece was. Let's see what he does at the draft. Yeah. Let's see because that's where he's going to do some maneuvering. Maybe he can unload some salaries or something like that. He's not going to be able to unload Anisimov, but maybe some players he can unload at the draft. Let's see what happens. I, I just want to see what he does at the draft. Like I am by no means a Stan Bowman fan, but I'm starting to come around on some of the things that have happened. Like you said, lately, I'm still skeptical because you know, we, we got PTSD from all the silly ass moves before that. Yeah. Skepticism is healthy with this. Yeah. Team. I mean, so, I, I'm just, I guess I'm going to say I'm not a true believer at this point, but I'm encouraged. Yeah. I, I'm kind of with you on that for the, for the same reasons. Let's yeah. see what he does at the draft. If he, if he, does what he like what he did last year at the draft where he kind of really didn't I mean he drafted some players but that's all he did and I was kind of hoping I was really upset that he made no moves at the draft like I thought you could unload some salaries or things like that at the draft I thought there was a perfect time to do it to to set yourself up free agency he did nothing at the draft except for draft players and then he he, he came around with uh you know that money during the summer of free agency and did nothing there we have a good reason to be angry about that. Like they didn't do stuff that would make this team successful. And it'd be the same time. It'd be the same thing for this draft. If he doesn't do anything, he's going to have to do something in the draft. He's going to have to make a move or something. 
Uh, he's, well, yeah, and that's when it's, you know, and look, look, you know, look back over the last few years. That's when he's made his hockey trades have been before the draft. Yeah. Like you the know? day of the draft. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the big and, ones. And that's where he's made them. And that's yeah. where teams are, you know, sort of, that's what, that's where those hockey trades typically happen. The trades that happen before the deadline are typically acquisitions, overpay acquisitions of expiring contracts, um, you know, and, and teams dumping salary and what have you. That's what you get then. But before the draft is when those hockey trades happen and teams are, you know, really looking at wholesale changes in the rosters because the following week you have free agency. And so there's, there's, things are very fluid. And that's, that's when I think you're going to see him make some moves. And uh, again, if they're picking in the top 10, I, I would hope they would hold on to the pick and, you know, again, grab another nice building block for, you know, a, a, a really promising future. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, if you got a player and I don't know why there's, I have no rationale behind this. I just don't like Bodan. Not that I don't think he's going to be a good player. I just don't think he's going to be, he's going to be that guy that's going to come up through the Blackhawks organization. I think that's like a guy that they could use as a trade chip. Maybe at the draft say, Hey, maybe you Bodan? can't. Yeah. Bodan. Maybe, um, you know, maybe you yeah. can't, uh, uh, you know, get 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 a defenseman in the draft, a high-end defenseman in the draft. But, hey, we drafted one last year, and maybe you guys might want to take him off our hands. Or, I, maybe, for, or maybe it's Ian Mitchell, you know. Yeah. Um, oh, don't say that to Aaron. He's going to be pissed. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I mean, <laughs> um, you know, it's just they've, they've you know, he and, he and Bocris both are righty shots. And... Uh, you know, they're, they're very similar players yeah. um, and they're both very highly thought of. And I, I think between the two, the one they would, they would want to hold on to would be Boquist. So maybe, you know, they, they look at moving Mitchell um, as part of a deal for a more of a, you know, a rugged two way type of defenseman, you know, who's got some NHL experience. Um, I mean, they, they do, they, they have those guys again. I, I, what I'm not going to do aside from Boquist, who's the one guy I'll say, yeah, he's going to be a really good NHL player. The rest of them, I'm not. I'm not necessarily saying they are. I mean, they're prospects. He's the only one I. I, I would say, yeah. He's. You can look at him and say that guy's going to be special. Yeah. Um. You know, it just remains to be seen. Um. If all of these guys are going to be really good NHL players, like a lot of people assume they are, and that that's not smart. Yeah, I agree. All right, we we spent too much time there, Andy. There, there there's your uh, Stan Bowman love and hate, I guess, on both sides. Uh, Mr. Bandow from TSN and Hockey Buzz websites. It seems there were some teams really looking for top four defensemen, Keith maybe, and scoring. Are the Hawks' contracts that bad that no teams would take them, or did the Blackhawks think they had a chance for a playoff run? Uh, I think that not that they were bad, just that maybe they weren't in the market, or that uh, you know the they weren't able to get the, the players to waive their no-movement clauses for said deals possible said potential deals allegedly that's how i feel what do you think i'm kind of with you on that okay <clears throat> cool um and then the last question uh from our dear governor uh let me let me let me find a sound clip here to the honorable william j lepetamine governor okay here's my question is it legal to put a cash bounty, $100 cash money, on the head of Stan Bowman? You can't put a bounty on a man's head. I just did. You can't. <laughs> I, I had to pull that clip out for him uh, from Slapshot. Of course, he's joking, everybody. He's joking. 
No one's putting a bounty on Stan Bowman's head. As we just no. said, we want to wait and see and see what he's going to do. That was just a joke. So I think it wraps up the questions. You got anything else you want to talk about? Uh, no, I got one plug. Um, go ahead. And other than that, we could call it a night. Go ahead. Uh, you, well, yeah, go ahead. Are we at, are we on plugs? Uh, you can you can give your plug. I'll uh, well, you know what? Sorry. Go ahead, give your plug. So, in addition to our founding sponsor, the wonderful folks at Puck Hockey, P U C K H C K Y dot com, um, head over there, get some of their gear, get some of the rink gear. It's all good. It all looks great. It all feels great. It's fantastic. In addition to that, I want to plug uh, a new a new a new favorite Twitter follow of the rink dot com, the official um, world leader of the world dot com at Trump underscore NHL. Um, we had a, a lively back and forth with last night, and uh, I would recommend you uh, you all give at Trump underscore NHL a follow. It's, it's well worth it. You know, I don't think I, I'm not sure if this is the same account, but there was a there was an uh, uh, like an NHL uh, Trump account back when Trump won that I used to go back and forth all the time. And I hope it's the same person because it was hilarious. I got a I got a, a total kick out of it. I totally enjoyed the mocking uh of it all. And, and so, yeah, I, I agree with you on that one. Go follow that. Cause I'm sure there it's, will be more, uh, rink in Trump, uh, going back and forth. It's, it's, it's he, so he uses, he, he pretty effectively uses Trump vernacular in his, in his tweets. I mean, it's not perfect, but I think the thing I like about it is the fact that he'll just engage with anybody and he's, and he's just boom, boom. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he's been blocked. He, he had a list I saw the other day. Of people who have blocked, uh, blocked him, <laughs> and and like four of them were NHL players. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, there you go. Oh man, it's good stuff. I just actually I just tweeted something to him just now, just for the fun of it. See if he he responds. Nice. So well, cool. Uh, let me let me wrap this up for us then in a in a nice put a nice red bow on top and tie it nice and tight. Uh, you can find all of our comprehensive content at www.the-rink.com. Uh, you can find us on all the popular social media at the rink official uh, at the Rinkcast. I'm at puck and hostel. You're at Jekyll J A E C K E L on the Twitters. Um, you could, uh, like I said, uh, we're on Instagram as well. If you want to follow us on Instagram, if you have an Instagram, uh, we're on uh, YouTube as well. You can go on and follow, uh, subscribe to our page on YouTube. Uh, there's a link on the website. That'll get you there. Um, unfortunately, we don't have a, a fancy schmancy name on YouTube yet because you have to have a certain amount of subscribers, but uh, that's soon to come. Uh, if you get a chance, like Mr. Uh, Mr. D1313, I think is that what it was? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah it was. DR1313, something yeah, like Mr. that. Mr. D1313, if, uh, if you want to head over to iTunes, please rate and review us. We'd really appreciate that. Uh, go out, and, and, and as I said last time, if you like what we do and you enjoy what our stuff uh, hopefully you laugh with us a little bit and you, uh, uh, you know, you're not yelling at your, uh, radio too much, but, uh, pass it on to your friends who may like, you know, podcast, hockey podcast, or what's, what have you. And, uh, you know, expand our audience, help expand our audience. Cause, uh, the better we do, uh, you know, the more we can bring you guys. So, uh, uh, you Dare we get... say the better we do, the better you do. <laughs> I have a couple of, uh, <laughs> plugs. Uh, other than our founding sponsor, puckhockey.com, P-U-C-K-H-C-K-Y.com. Use discount code, the rink. Um, first of all, uh, our boy over at Puckpedia, 
did an excellent job at the trade deadline. Hart. Hart. Uh, you know, he did he did a great job like keeping up with everything. He made these nice uh uh these like embeddable uh trade things with he all the did. information. He did. Yeah, he did a really good job with that. I was re- I really appreciated that. I added it into our uh our little trade ticker even though there wasn't any trades on trade deadline. Uh there were some you know he included the Peter Holland trade which was pretty just you know previous to that and we didn't even talk about that but not because it wasn't uh you know much we could probably talk about that later next episode oh. anyway um and uh i think it's five star window tinting in uh new lennox i think it is um uh good guys over there they're gonna hook me up uh my brand my new truck i'm gonna get some tint stuff done so check them out uh if you do go over there tell them that uh the guy from puck and hostel uh sent you over there or the rink or whatever he kind of knows a little bit about uh me coming over there but go over to check them out they got some good stuff uh, check it. You can check out. They have a Facebook page too, and you can check out like all the work he's done and, and stuff. And they got all kinds of new fancy schmancy uh, tint, window tinting stuff. And they do customized stuff like uh, headlights and taillights and things like that. So really cool. Um, I think that's it for me. Uh, so thanks everybody for taking the time out of your busy schedules to download, listen, and support us. Until next episode, see you on the link. This is the Overtime Podcast Network.